0: Well, hello everybody. Why don't y'all mosey on up here and settle yourself down and listen to my podcast, the Harland Highway Podcast, that is. Hey, everybody, Harland Williams here. Welcome to the show. I certainly hope you're doing groovy today. We're gonna we're gonna make you groovy, I think. Um, what a show today. We're gonna we're gonna uh, play the final chapter of my short story, The Garden Hose Time Machine. We wrap it all up today. The conclusion of my crazy short story, uh, I hope you enjoy it. That'll be towards the uh, end of the show. Also, a crazy news story. Have you ever dialed 911? Well, imagine dialing 911 and it just goes haywire. Wait till you hear this crazy news story. It It is not pretty. It is not something you want to have happen to you. Also, we're going to play another uh, funny segment of me doing uh, the the morning radio junket on my stand-up comedy tour. I recorded myself uh, in studio, yucking it up with the morning DJs, and we had a lot of laughs. We make up stuff right on the spot. And I thought uh, you guys might uh, enjoy the laughter and, and the comedy. So we're going to play another segment of that. It's a great show. Uh, thanks for being here. Let's get it going. Put your helmet on, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Harland Highway. Where am I? What is this, some kind of a joke or something? Welcome
1: to the Harland Highway. What are you talking about, words? Son, you got a panty on your head. Shut up and sit down, you big bald fuck. Oh, God, what's happening here? I'm bad man that is fantastic the harland
0: highway crazy news story that's weird wow That's strange stuff all right here we go oh boy this one is a little nutty a little it, it, i mean can you imagine here's the headline gang 911 operator accused of hanging up on collars. Huh? Holy God. Uh, Not good. The headline said, Crescenda Williams is charged in Houston. There's a big picture of her, a middle-aged black woman with long uh, dreadlocks in her hair. And just looking at the expression on her face, she doesn't look like the most compassionate woman. I kind of get it just looking at her. She, she looks a little like, eh, whatever. So here's the story. It starts with a quote from Crescenda Williams. The quote is, ain't nobody got time for this. Oh, my God. Ain't nobody got time for this. A former Houston 911 operator was recorded as saying as she allegedly hung up on a security guard calling to report a street racing incident. Yeah, yeah, I, I ain't got time for this. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just, you know, this is 911, man. I, I ain't got time for this. Um, A news report. Uh, says that the 43-year-old Crescenda Williams is being charged with interfering with emergency telephone calls, a misdemeanor for allegedly hanging up on 911 callers. Houston police say Williams has admitted to the crime saying she would hang up because she did not want to talk to anyone at that time. Okay, uh, you ever kind of come to a place where you uh, realize you're not in the right line of work? Uh, D'alloe. The the news uh, reports, Williams' bosses at the Houston Emergency Center say thousands of her calls between October 2015 and March 2016 lasted less than 20 seconds. At least one call involved a robbery and homicide. Good Lord. In that case, Williams allegedly hung up on a man attempting to report an armed robbery in progress at a convenience store. Oh, yeah, listen, uh, there's a guy here with a gun. He's holding the place up, man. It looks like he's already shot some... Hello? Hello? What the fuck? 9 nine one 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 is hung up on my ass. Um... By the time the man got through to a second 911 operator and police arrived, the store manager had been shot and killed. Oh, God. In another instance, a man called for an ambulance because his wife passed out, but he says the dispatcher, who identified herself as Crescenda, hung up on him. He called back on a different dispatcher, and his wife survived. Uh, there's a quote here, and uh, the the uh, the guy who was shot said, "I was furious." The wife says, "I was furious. He didn't tell me what happened because I would have gotten from my hospital bed and gone to nine one one and find out who did that to me." As the wife says, so Williams is doing court next week. Oh man, I'm gonna get up off this hospital bed. I'll go. I'm gonna whip some ass over at nine one one. Then no one be hanging up on me. Isn't that crazy? That's a crazy news story, man. Can you imagine uh, the, those types of phone calls? Someone phoning in desperate and, and, and you get someone like Crescendo Williams? Hello, this is
1: now I Crescendo. How can I help you? Um, yes. Um, I think there's someone in my house. I thought, what, what, what are you saying, baby? I, I think there's someone in my house. I can I can hear someone. I can hear someone downstairs. They're coming up the stairs. Oh my God! Oh man! I th- I don't got time for this, child. What? I th- I don't got time for this. I'm doing my nails, baby. I I think they're coming up the stairs. Oh my God! I'm hiding in the closet. I'm hiding in the closet. Oh right. You know I just don't got time for this shit. When's my lunch break, Rwanda? Hello? Yeah, I, I, I gotta whisper. I think he's in the bedroom. I can see him through the crack, he's got a gun. Oh cry you know you know what, honey? I gotta go I mean I'm in Rwanda for lunch, baby. I can't do that. I got I'm doing my nails right now. This is bullshit. I think he's gonna kill me. I think he's gonna kill me. Oh cry, what the you know what I I, I I need to hear this. What is it what do you mean you don't this this there's a fucking man in my house with a gun. I'm hurting in the closet, he's gonna Oh, God, oh, oh, shit, baby. This is bullshit. I don't need to be hearing this shit. I, what are you talking about? He's going to kill me. Yeah, well, maybe, you know, sometimes shit happens, child. You know? Oh, shit. I, I got go. to go. What, what do you mean you're to go? I, I got to go, baby. This I, I got shit to do. Well, hello? Oh, crap. No, I, I ain't hearing this. Hello? Oh, wait. What? Hello? Oh oh my god.
0: Oh oh my god. He's going to out. Oh my god. He's going to kill him. Oh my my god. Crescendo Williams in the house. Man. That's a lack of Karen right there, man. Like, get out. Get away from the 911 position, man. Scary. Yeesh. Um. All right, let's move along. I hope that never happens to any of you guys listening. You get rejected by 911. My goodness. Uh, Crescendo Williams. Um, Let's uh, let's pick up on uh, some more uh, fun stuff. Um, I've been playing for you guys uh, the last few podcasts. Some clips of me doing morning radio. When I go to these towns and cities across the country, I get up early in the morning and I have to put on my funny... And uh walk into these uh these rooms and, and uh do uh do the do the yuck yucks. And so here's another little sample of me early morning on Pittsburgh Radio with the great uh DJs who host there. And uh here's a little five ten minute clip of uh some of the hijinks that we do. Hope you enjoy. <laughs> I got into a little uh, have you ever had Road Rage? Sure. I, the drivers here in Pittsburgh—I know there's probably a lot listening right now—but I had a road rage uh, fit yesterday, and I—I yeah. I don't know if I should apologize to the community. Well, but what happened? Well, I was out with a, a hot chick. i met a hot chick here in town. Yeah. And uh, you know, some someone cut me off, uh-huh. and you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta display at that point, right? right?
1: Yeah. So I we got up to slide. a red
0: light, and I had to kind of show her that I, you know. Had the guns and my chest out, sure. and I, I get out of the car and I walk up to the car in front of me. I'm just yelling in the window. I'm like, "Hey, you!" And I like, I, got, I went overboard. I, this chick was hot, so I'm really giving her trying to show your manliness. Yeah, and I like, I kicked the guy's door. I kicked the oh. door and I spit on the window, oh. and I was like giving him the finger. And I'm like, oh. "You want to get out of the car? Let's go. Let's go." And I just this went on almost till the light turned yellow, and then I went back to the car and I said. That's what that's all about, and she goes, "You know, that's one of those Google driverless cars, right?" <laughs> oh, no, like, yeah. You ready to go to Arby's drive-through? <laughs> so I tried. I tried. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to look manly. But yeah driverless cars. Yeah, And plus she had the tattoo, you know, the O'Reilly Auto Parts tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> on her fist. On her, 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 her fist, yeah. yeah. Was, you know, yeah. The, the classy, classy yeah, that's chick. That's yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, had stretch marks on the sides of her mouth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he ordered a lot at the drive the yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eef, Williams, uh, he's at the improv all weekend long. <laughs> Wow, ISIS. Why do they keep it? Why do they have like so many names? It's like ISIS, ISIL, dash. Icicle, like Chocolate dash. Icing, <laughs> Dash, Dash. Vanilla Wait. Bean, <laughs> Jason Priestley. I mean, why? why? How many names does a terror group Brandon need? Brandon Walsh, they oh, yeah. his, right. His real name and his show name. Yeah. so one. weird. Why? Why? I, I'm not
1: sure.
0: That's... And it's like Al Qaeda was Al Qaeda, Al Qaeda, Al right. Qaeda, Al Koala. <laughs> that would be very scary. Water-water. Terrorist koalas. <laughs> Hello, I'm here to blow you up. <laughs> it's crap. Probably <laughs> gonna I mean, be the cutest explosion you've ever seen in your life. It's gonna be really cute. You can pet me before you expire. <laughs> well, we expire well, yeah. Uh, you know they say that the, the, the koalas—they're—they're they're ferocious. They're vicious. Oh, they've, really? Yeah, yeah. They've got big claws. They're not nice. You think they're cuddly because they—they they look, uh, you know. They, they look, yeah, they uh, look ferocious, like being beat up by a cloud.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you
0: wanna, you wanna go, buddy? Let's go. Come on, step on up. (laughs) I just can't be imagining frightened, intimidated by a koala. Like if I'm, you know, sulking through a a dark alley at night and a koala steps out, hey man, you mean well. I'd just drop kick that fuzzy little guy right back up into his eucalyptus tree. (laughs) Get out of here, you drunk. (laughs) I'll <laughs> uh, see you next time <laughs> behind this, daddies. Like
1: yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: that's a, apparently they're drunk all the time. They are. They get apparently they get drunk off of the eucalyptus, uh, what the oils. Well, you, uh, apparently they're hammered. <laughs> no kidding. So now they're they're violent and drunk. Yeah. Wow. The
1: violent drunk koalas. Yeah. Well, then who is branding them and and branded them to be so cuddly and nice?
0: Yeah. I, I like them because switch. they got those little uh, uh, their hands. They got those little opposable thumbs. Sure. They got perfect uh, breast grabbing hands. <laughs> <laughs> like they can squeeze with, with the, the the main part, and then they yeah. got the little thumbs to you know yeah. tickle the nipples. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. You've never I mean, had a you've never had a uh, koala. I mean, Fondle your areoli? (laughs) Oh, these are juicy. Oh, my goodness. They offered that at the Pittsburgh Zoo. Oh, really? Right. Fondling. Yeah, I couldn't get in there. Cute, drunk fondling. Yeah, I couldn't get there in time. Wow. And then they punch you in the face as you leave. (laughs) Hope that felt good. (laughs) Pow! (laughs) They were fake. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: uh, it's uh, harlan williams he's at the Improv. <laughs> long to it, and, uh... now i want up This is Rwanda What's your emergency oh hello yeah this is Rwanda What's your emergency oh, oh my god my my son my my, my nine year old son He's. i found him in the bottom of the pool hes he's, he's not breathing oh Christ man. you know i don't got time for this hello yeah what 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 what, what do you, what do you want I, I, oh my God! My my son—he's a nine nine year old boy, the Daniel. He's—I found him in the bottom of the swimming pool. He's unresponsive. I—I don't think he's breathing. Oh man! You know, I got to get to the mall. You know, they got some stuff over at the dollar store today. They got a sale on Shasta grape soda pop, and they got—I think they got with some new paper plate. Hey, uh, hey Rwanda, you, you know what's going on at the dollar store today? Hello, hello. My son is drowning. My son is turning blue. Oh, God. You know, I, I don't need to hear this. I don't want to hear this. What do you mean you don't want to hear this? My, my son is at the bottom. He was at the bottom of the pool. He's I don't even know if he's breathing. Can you send an ambulance? Oh, I don't got time to call No oh, ambulance job. I guess to get over to the dollar store. Then me Rwanda, we going to head over to. You want to catch a movie later, Rwanda? Rwanda. I'm telling you, my son needs medical assistance. Can you send an ambulance? Oh, I I don't need to hear this. I don't want to hear this. This is is bullshit is what this is. Maybe you ought to send your little boy to get some swimming lessons. What did you just say to me? Oh, I don't need this shit. You know what? You know, fuck you. Fuck you. Wait, What? Wait, what? what? Where,
0: where'd you go? Where are you? Oh, my God, my boy, he's blue. He's blue. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, my boy. My dear boy. Hello? Hello? Hey, Harland. Uh, you invited responses to your short story, and that's only the reason I'm calling. Uh, one of the rules of writing is... Write what you know. I wouldn't be able to write this. It honestly worries me that you are able to in case you happen to know wherever you speak. I hope that if so, it is cathartic. I would prefer that it is not so and purely fiction. So, God bless you, man. All right, thank you, Brian. Thank you for that call. I, it sounded like there was some concern in your voice, and uh, man, I appreciate that. Um, Brian commented that you know you you write what you know, and uh, and as you know, this garden hose uh, time machine story is going kind of to a, a bit of a dark place where where in our lead character Brett. Has, has, has to come to terms with his abusive father that beat on his mother. And, and I can tell by your phone call, Brian, that you think, ah, maybe Harland went through this. Write what you know. Well, the good news is, no, I have never gone through anything even remotely close to this. Um, my point of view with writing is the opposite, Brian. My point of view of writing is write what you don't know. And the reason I say that is because for me, writing is an escape. And if I just wrote about what I knew, I'd probably be bored. So the fun of writing is, is creating these imaginary worlds that I've never ventured into, that I don't know anything about, that I, I have not experienced. All I can do is channel what it might be like through these characters that I create and so uh, to, to put your mind at ease, uh, no, my father never raised a fist to my mother or anybody. My father was a peace-loving, gentle, strong man, and, uh, and I have not lived through this. Uh, I have not been, uh, I've not been privy or part of any type of uh, domestic abuse, thank God. Um, and I'm sure there's people that are listening to the story that might have been. Uh, but when I write these stories, I really do kind of take on the pain and the joy and the anger and the hate and the love of the characters that I have fabricated in my mind. And so uh, so uh, don't worry, not to fret. Uh, this has not been something that has touched my life, but I do enjoy writing it and imagining, uh, you know, the drama and the intensity of this this kind of world. And I understand when you when you write about topics as as kind of heavy as this, it strikes a chord with people. Uh, I want to read a letter from one of our pavement pounders uh, before we get to the very final uh, installment, the conclusion. Of the uh, Garden Hose Time Machine story, I want to read a wonderful email I got from one of the Pavement Pounders and uh, share with you his thoughts about the short story. Here it is. So this was an email sent in from uh, Chad Brooks, is the uh, is the gentleman's name, or the Pavement Pounders name. As you know, I have old-style emails. They're actually on paper uh chad thank you for writing in here's chad's uh email he says hi harland i was finally able to attend one of your live shows when you came through salt lake city about a month ago i just wanted to say it was such a blast and that you really brought the house down my favorite bit was actually one of your improvised jokes in which you were an irishman waking up in the wee hours of the morning to do some calculations i guess you had to be there yes that was that was a, uh, a, a, I was talking to a woman about uh, what time she got up in the morning, and she said she got up at like four in the morning, and she was an accountant. I said, what are you, a leprechaun accountant or something? It's like, oh, I've got to get up in the wee hours of the morning and crunch some numbers, crank it on me calculators, the mists are rising up over the lakes, and the, the dewdrops be forming on the grass, and I just went off and on. and It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, So I'm glad you enjoyed that, Chad. Thank you, man. I'd actually forgotten about that. So, Um, but let's continue with Chad's letter here, his email. Chad says, I also wanted to give you some feedback on your short story about the water hose time machine. I was recently standing in line waiting to board a plane whilst listening to the fourth installment of the story. Before I can continue, I must provide some context. It had been over a week since I had seen my wife and four little kids. You see, they had taken a road trip without me to visit her family while I stayed and went to work. And then I had to leave for a four-day business trip just hours before they got home, so we just missed each other. All this to say that I was missing them all dearly at the moment of listening to the fourth episode of the Waterhose Time Machine as I stood in line for my last connecting flight on my way home from my business trip. I was surprised to find myself getting misty eyed as Brett, the main character of my story, entered his kids' room, in, in uh, brackets, for the first time ever after they had gone to bed so he could watch them sleep, watch their chests rise and fall as they breathe, and just appreciate their existence. I had to choke back tears as his kids sprung awake and threw their arms around their daddy, telling them how much they loved him in their perfectly childlike way. And I longed for the moment, just hours from then, when I would finally arrive home and have the opportunity to do the same with my kids as they slumbered. It was a beautiful moment when I did get home and promptly visited each of them in turn in their beds to give them a soft kiss on the forehead. And I found myself half hoping they would pop awake and give me a big hug and tell me how much they missed me. None of them did, but our reunion was just as sweet the next morning before I left for work. Anyways, the point of the story was to say thank you for sharing your short story and for the timely new outlook that it brought to my life. I've always known you as a great comedian, but this is kind of fun to see this new side of you and hear what an amazing writer you are as well. So yes, please keep it coming, whether it's part of the Harland Highway podcast or perhaps an entirely separate podcast in which you read some of your stories. I don't care as long as you keep providing it to us pavement pounders. Chicken Chow Mein Baby Chad Brooks Wow Chad that that is a powerful email you wrote I can't tell you how much I appreciate your feedback and 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 the fact that that a certain part of the story resonated with you so strongly and and as you said kind of brought you to the edge of tears uh you know that's that's kind of the beauty of writing and that's that's the ultimate goal to know that that words on a page can elicit such emotion and uh it it warms my heart that that through my story you got to in a sense reexamine or reassert that the love that you already have for your own kids and uh and that you could relate and that that when you got home from your trip you actually went in and sat with your kids and that perhaps my story my words uh, spurred you on to do that. It's very powerful. It's, it's, it's uh, very wonderful. And it really fills my heart with a sense of uh, joy and satisfaction and, uh, and gratitude that you took the time to relay and communicate that precious moment with me. And also to say thank you that you are appreciating the story and uh, it's, it's uh, giving you something. Um that that's just great. That's why I you know this is the type of feedback that I I I just uh love to hear and this is kind of why I wanted to put this story out here to see if it touched people, to see if it resonated, to see if people could relate to it and uh I'm sure there's other people out there that have some strong visceral reactions to it. There might be some that like it as much as you. There might be people that hate it and have shut it off and like don't want to hear it, but that's all part of the mix of bringing this type of content to you so uh Chad, uh to you and your beautiful family and your wonderful beautiful kids uh i wish you uh, all the best and a continued strong bond with you and your 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 family and uh and thank you again so much for such a wonderful wonderful uh well thought out and uh and uh, wonderfully communicated email to me. Um, And without further ado, I I think the best thing to do is just to go from Chad's uh, email straight into the final installment of the uh, Garden Hose Time Machine short story that I wrote that was spawned by a segment I did on the Harlan Highway, episode 500. So uh, so far it it's been a, a pretty emotional ride for our main character, Brett, who um, who had not talked to his father ever since he caught his father in the act, uh, physically abusing his mother. And now Chad or, or now Brett is in the hospital during one of his Garden hose flashbacks. And he's just about to enter the room of his dying father and confront him on all the things that seem to go wrong. I hope you enjoy this final installment, the conclusion right now of The Garden Hose Time Machine. As the door swung wider, Brett instantly saw that there was no one else in the room, just the frail shape of a human body tucked under crisp white hospital-issue sheets. Brett's father's brown hair seemed to be the only thing that contrasted on the white bed. His half-paralyzed head lay upon the pillow. As Brett stepped closer, his father seemed almost unrecognizable, his frail body rigid and weak. Brett took a deep swallow, his mind unprepared for seeing his once flamboyant father so deteriorated. For a brief second, he almost forgot about all the hatred he had built up for him. For a brief second, he wanted to help him, comfort him, make him better again. But as he rounded the bed and got his first look at his father's face, all those sentimental feelings stopped. They were replaced by feelings of utter shock, possibly horror. Brett had known his father had suffered a stroke that night. His sister had told him that as Brett had run from the house, their father lay helpless, seizuring on the floor. Maybe that is where the feelings of animosity from his sister had been born. Brett had just turned and walked away in his father's time of need. And now, before him, for the first time, Brett could see firsthand the effects of the stroke. Brett's father's face seemed sunken in and hollow, his cheeks gaunt, "'his eyes like two empty tunnels that led back through the portals of time. "'A wave of sadness washed over Brett, the likes of which he had never before felt, "'his father like a wounded animal, unable to pick itself up off the ground "'and take another step to survive. "'Out of defiance, Brett held back any tears.' He would not give his father the satisfaction of expressing any emotion. His father didn't deserve it. Norm, on the other hand, was the exact opposite. Almost the instant he saw his son, his eyes began to water, his body trembling. This was a monumental moment for Norm. He had spent many, many years nursing his broken heart. Broken from knowing he had destroyed his family. Broken from knowing he would never see his boy again. But now, miraculously, he was here. Norm, mustering all his strength, reached out to Brett, his nimble fingers touching his hand. Brett instantly pulled away, offended that his father thought he had any right to make contact with him. This was enough to bring the tears out of Norm's eyes. He knew he had done so much damage. He knew he had lost his son. Please... Please, Bretty, he said in a gravelly voice that was unfamiliar to Brett. "I, I need to touch you, son. Norm's speech was uneven and slow. The stroke had slightly paralyzed the right side of his face, impeding his speech. The clarity his voice once had now slurred. Touch me? Brett snapped. No, I don't think so. Brett snapped his hand away with the reflexes of a hockey goalie. He had no desire to connect with his father in this way. As if Norm's face could register any more pain, it just did. His son's disdain was palatable. Norm squeezed his eyes shut and rocked his head side to side, his voice mumbling through his tears. Oh, 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 Breddy. What did I do, Breddy? What did I do? Brett stood back, staring at his crumpled father, almost with disgust. He could hardly believe that his father, the one who beat his mother to a pulp, was laying there, feeling sorry for himself. Almost out of agitation, Brett spoke up. "'How did you know I was in the hallway?' Norm's eyes rolled open, a slight look of hope as he embraced the notion that his son was actually talking to him. "'Oh, I I could feel you, Bretty. I could always feel you, my son.' Brett stared down at Norm incredulously, not expecting such warm emotion to come out of him. I prayed. I prayed for many years you would come, my boy. Many years. Brett took another step away from the bed. Despite the uneven speech, there was comfort and love in his father's voice. Brett wasn't sure how to take it. It had been so long since he had felt his father's feelings. Ah... I know I did some bad things, Bretty. I know why you went away angry and mad. I know. Suddenly, Brett felt anger overtake anything else he was feeling. Oh, really? Y- you did some bad things? You punched the fucking shit out of my mother. That bad thing? Is that what you're talking about? Norm turned his head away from Brett's outburst. His loud words were like a punch to his own face. Who the fuck do you think you are? Your own wife! Mom was the sweetest woman to ever walk the fucking earth, and, and, and... Brett had to turn away. He couldn't look at his father for a moment. Norm's lips began chattering, opening and closing in rapid succession, his whole being filling up with agony. I I don't know why I did it, son. I have no answer. I only hit her twice. Only? Brett snapped as he spun around to face his father again. Norm was crying now, his old salty tears creeping down his dehydrated face. If if I hit her twice, then it's the same I hit her ten million times. She didn't deserve it. Brett's anger was mounting. How can you say that? I mean, that's it? You piece of shit. How could you do it? Brett's hands curled up into fists. He was trying to channel his emotions. He didn't want to yell at his old man, but it was inevitable. "Bretty, please, Norm pleaded. Please what? Brett snapped. You call me to your deathbed hoping you can wash the slate clean? Huh? Make it all fine again? Fuck you, Norm. Fuck you. Norm let out a long, painful moan that synchronized with his tears. I'm sorry, son. I'm so sorry, Norm wailed. Brett had never heard such torture come out of another human being before. The anguish in his father's voice was so authentic that it moved through Brett like a ghost passing through him. Suddenly, Brett felt sad. He felt lost. His father's pleads were thrusting multiple emotions at Brett all at the same time. Suddenly, Brett didn't know how to feel. Why? Why? Why'd you do it? The question rolled out of bread almost involuntarily. Norm sniffled and swallowed some of the tears that had slid into the paralyzed side of his mouth. He stared wild-eyed around the room, knowing that he needed to offer his son the right answer, offer him the answer that would make him love him again. But after a long pause, he let out a defeated sigh. I don't know, son. I have no answer or excuses, Uh, I'm just a man that that carried the weight of his world on his shoulders, just tried to step through life the best way I could, and and, and then something came out of me that I, I didn't even know I had inside. The ability to hurt, to punish the one I swore to protect, I let the world I let my life take me to a dark place. A place I didn't see coming. Brett stood there silently and listened. He realized he probably needed to hear this just as much as his father needed to say it. The the things that happen to you in life, you you don't see them coming, Brettie. You think you're prepared for everything. You think you can plan it all out. And then, all of a sudden, one night, a part of you appears that you never planned for. Something inside of you shows up that you didn't even know you had. Norm sobbed openly and loudly. Britt didn't try to stop him. After a moment of heavy tears, Norm continued. The nights I hit your mother's son, I broke her. I broke her. Her beautiful spirit, she never got it back. Brett looked up and saw the emptiness in his father's eyes. They revealed so much, as if he had opened up a chest, overflowing with pain, hurt, and suffering. Brett knew his father had paid for what he had done. He knew his father's pain was deep and real. I I broke your mother, son. But me, I died. Norm sealed his eyes tightly and turned his head away from Brett. His own cloud of shame surrounded him like a plague. Brett stood there numb, unsure of even moving. For what seemed an eternity, the two, father and son, silently shared the same intimate yet uncomfortable space. Brett was processing everything that was spinning in his head. He continued to maintain his distance from his ailing father. "'Why am I here?' Brett said softly at last. Norm slowly turned his head back to Brett. He stared at him, absorbed him as much as he could. Norm knew his time was limited. He garnered all his strength and slowly lifted his arm up in the air. He reached towards his one and only son. Brett looked up, moved by his father's efforts. Clearly, it was not physically easy. Norm slightly wiggled his fingers, no words coming from his mouth, just a low, pitiful gurgle from somewhere in his windpipe. Brett stared with contempt. He had so much hatred built up inside. He wanted to not feel any sympathy or remorse for his bastard father. But Norm's long, bony fingers grasping for him like a drowning person reaching for a lifeline. Brett felt his coat of armor crack. He felt the dull pain growing in his heart, his father's eyes full of pleading and pain. He needed to be touched. He needed his son. Slowly, the pain became too much for Brett. Memories of the good times with his father began populating his mind. For the briefest of moments, he could see past the monster that lay before him. He somehow saw past the imprinted version of Norm's fist, crushing his mother's cheek. Brett saw a man who had suffered for his deeds, who was, as he had stated, died inside for his actions. Norm's outstretched arm seemed to have a magnetic pull all its own. Brett was slowly drawn toward it. With each closing inch, Brett able to see a sparkle of hope in his father's eyes. A ray of light that had been dimmed down to blackness for so very, very long. As Brett's thigh pressed against the side of the bed, Norm's hand snatched Brett's forearm. His firm grip surprised Brett. It was strong and forceful, a grip determined to never let go. Norm's crooked, distorted face managed to create some kind of joyous smile. He could feel his son's youthful skin feel his energy, his life force. Brett didn't know what to do. He found his eyes drifting towards his father's until at last they connected. Their stare was instant and intense. It had all the strength of the planets being held in their place by the universe's gravity. They were locked in, neither of them able to shift their gaze. Brett was overcome with anger, fear, love, and hate all at the same time. Norm recognized this. His eyes stared back at his wounded child. They conveyed never-ending love and understanding, void of judgment or spite. Norm's stare bore into Brett's soul like a searchlight through the midnight sky. It honed in on his heart. With all his mental energy, Norm gave up every last molecule of love that his heart could manufacture. He channeled it to his son so that he could know, despite all his misgivings, his love was pure and without boundary. Brett could feel Norm's love, penetrating his soul, causing his insides to light up with golden warmth that could only come from a parent to a child. Brett's eyes began to fill with soft, salty tears, his hand slowly rising up to where his father was grasping his arm. Soon enough, their hands were together, holding, feeling, grasping on to whatever chance they had left to show affection for one another. I I love you, my son. My my little Bretty. Norm choked as the words spilled out of him. Brett could feel the pools of water and his lower eyelids finally spill over and form tears. They dropped from his eyes like capsules of liquid pain, each teardrop representing a moment of the torment he had bottled up inside all these years. The tears dropped on the sheets, leaving a wet spot that grew wider and wider. He squeezed his father's hand tightly. I... I can't forgive you, Dad, Brett said almost in a whisper. Norm squeezed Brett's hand. I I know, son. You're not here so that you can see me dying. Brett looked up, somewhat surprised by this unselfish revelation. You're here so that I can see that you can go on living. Brett stopped breathing for a moment. He hadn't expected such words. Somehow he thought he was brought here, expected to give his father forgiveness. But it was the exact opposite. He realized in that moment that he was brought here so that he could be free, to let go of all the pain, to get back to living and blessing his wife and children with every ounce of his love. Brett tried to absorb all that was happening in this miraculous moment, but it was like trying to catch a hundred balloons that had broken loose and were dancing across the sky. And before he could make any semblance of what he was feeling, He suddenly felt his father's grip on his hand squeeze tighter than it had so far. It actually hurt slightly. Brett looked down at his father and saw a certain resolution in his eyes, a contentment that wasn't there before. He blinked slowly three or four times, and in a wisp of a voice, he said, I love you, my boy. I'll love you for all time, Brettie. And then his grip went limp, All the strength was gone. Norm was dead. Rhett felt his heart curl up inside. The pain was only outdone by the strange joy he felt in his heart at the same time. At last, it was over. It was done. He had come face to face with his dad. When Sherry awoke in the chair, she instantly looked over to see if Brett was okay. To her satisfaction, she saw that he was sleeping peacefully in his bed. This made her happy, happier than the stiffness that was riddling her body. Her contortions in the chair in which she slept were nothing short of torturous. She had no idea how long she had been sleeping. As she brought her hand up to wipe the sleep from her eyes, she was startled to feel something gripped in her fingers. She came just short of rubbing a foreign object right in her face. As she held it up before her eyes, a flood of love and joy washed over her entire being. It was a single white rose, pure and fragrant and beyond beautiful. Twelve months later, the following summer, Brett sat on his back porch with Sherry, Tommy, and a few other friends. Brett sat close by Sherry's side, holding her hand loving her. Tommy was relaxed and laughing. Clearly, any animosity from the hose incident had faded away. Reconnected, their friendship blossomed, and they had become close once again. So, we ever going to go on that baseball tour through the American League East stadiums, or what? Tommy said loudly so that it passed by Sherry as well. Brett glanced at Sherry and said in a mock, pouty voice, I don't know if I could bear to be away from Sherry that long, Tommy. Oh, Jesus. Pour some more syrup on it, why don't you? Tommy rolled his eyes and everyone laughed. Come on, let's go in and eat. We can talk about it over dinner. Sherry smiled and played along. And a few bottles of white wine, right, Cher? Tommy joked. Everyone laughed and rose from their deck chairs. As they all headed inside through the sliding glass door... Brett noticed the side gate hanging open at the far end of the backyard. Be right in, Brett assured the group as he moved in the other direction, leaving the deck. He stepped down onto the lawn and walked to the gate. Like he'd done a million times before, he pulled it shut and secured it. On his walk back towards the house, something caught his eye. Something that he had almost purposefully not thought about for a long time. It was the garden hose hanging on the wall by the shrubs. Brett stopped. He stared at it. He wondered if it was mystically beckoning him or if his own mind was just curious after all this time. Seeing that the coast was clear, he decided to walk over to the tap and turn it on. Brett stared at the water pouring out at the tip. He felt a little nervous, intimidated to take a drink. A lot had happened since last year. He was 30 pounds lighter. He was friends with Tommy again. He and Sherry were like high school sweethearts again. It was like the love that was always there was finally allowed to come out from behind the clouds and shine. Brett's job was good. He wasn't drinking anymore. He went to the gym three times a week. In essence, he was finally happy. Maybe he better just leave well enough alone. Going back to the hose could be a huge mistake. Opened the door to things maybe he didn't want to see. But the sheer nature of the incredible journey, a journey that gave him closure and helped him rekindle his love, his life. Somehow he just had to see if there was more. Maybe it was greedy, maybe even dangerous, but he couldn't help himself. Slowly, he pulled the hose to his mouth, the cool water sliding down his throat as he drank. He waited and wondered what sort of manifestation would take place. After a few moments, when nothing seemed to be happening, just when Brett was about to give up, a football, just like the one he played with as a kid, rolled to a stop at his feet. He stared down at it as water splashed across the tightly pulled pigskin. You want to play catch? A voice came from across the lawn. Brett dropped the hose and picked up the ball. It felt good in his fingers. He stood and looked at the other side of the grass. A figure stood there, silhouetted against the sun. Brett squinted. He couldn't see who it was. Who? Who's there? He called out, almost frightened. After a brief silence, a familiar voice answered back. Come on, Dad, quit messing around. Throw the ball, will you? Brett smiled as he heard his son's voice. Nathan was a foot taller than last year and well on his way to becoming a man. Just a few tosses, son. Your mother wants us in for dinner. Okay, Dad, Nathan acquiesced. Brett smiled and cocked his arm back. Sherry watched from the kitchen window and blew him a kiss. Brett fired the ball high into the sky. It arced up towards the radiant sun and hung in the air for a moment before landing perfectly in his son's arms. Perfect toss, Dad. Brett smiled. He was happy. The end. Whoa. There it is, gang. That is the end. That is the final portion of my very long short story. I thought it would be 20 pages. It came out to about 70 and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. You know, it, it it was as I said, it was this whole story was spawned by a little comedic segment I did in episode fifty of, the, uh, of episode five hundred of this podcast, where I talked about picking up a garden hose and drinking out of it, and flashing back in my mind to moments when I was a kid. And a lot of you guys, you pavement pounders, wrote in and called in and said you you experienced similar thoughts and feelings. And I thought, you know, there's something deeper here. There's something more. I'm going to write a short story. And, uh, that was it. So, uh, as I said, love to get your feedback. Uh, let me know if you want me to do more, if you'd like to hear more stories. Um, and, uh, I think it would be fun, but, uh, you know, I certainly don't want to put them out there. If some of you are like, Oh God, no, no more. It's too much. Then I need to hear that, but if some of you are like, yes, 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 I oh, i would love to hear some O'Holland. I would love it. Then I need to hear that, too. Uh, so let me know, and, uh, and there it is. A labor of love. Uh, let's get to some announcements here, please and thank you. Uh, I want to make an announcement. Uh, my new animated series, Skylanders, the Skylanders, based on one of the most popular video games in the world, it premieres on Netflix on Friday, October 28th. You can binge watch the whole season, all 13 episodes. It's an animated cartoon. Sit down with your kids, with your friends, your family. It looks amazing. The scripts are funny. It's it's uh, It's got Susan Sarandon's in it. I'm in it. Uh, Norm MacDonald's in it. Uh, all kinds of uh, Ashley Tisdale. I mean, all kinds of people are, are in this doing voices in this cartoon. I do one of the main characters, a, a, a mole, a lovable little mole with, with uh, glasses. His name's Hugo. And he kind of talks like this. To be honest, I kind of based his voice off of aunt Ruthie a little bit. He's kind of a little nebbish and he kind of, he's like, Oh my goodness. He's kind of like Woody Allen meets aunt Ruthie meets Edith bunker. So, uh, I hope you get a chance to tune in and watch The Skylanders on Netflix, Friday, October 28th. Uh, Also, uh, please uh, check out uh, my November comedy schedule. I'll be in Denver, Denver, Colorado at the Comedy Works, November uh, 11th and 12th, Friday and Saturday. Then the following week, San Diego, California. California. At the American Comedy Co. down in San Diego. Great club. That's uh, November 17th to the 20th. And then Thanksgiving weekend, boys and girls. Yes, the Irvine Improv. The Irvine Improv, which is in uh, Orange County, California, south of Los Angeles. It's kind of in between San Diego and uh Los Angeles. So check me out there. The Irvine Improv. All these comedy dates are uh, available on my website, harlandwilliams.com. Click on the stand-up tour link. You can order your tickets right online at my website. Reserve your tickets. Now they go fast. Also, while you're there, check out the store, the Harland Highway Harland Williams uh, merchandise store. We will send you some fun merch. Um... Also, uh, don't forget you can write to me at harlandwilliams.com. If you have any letters or comments regarding the podcast, uh, hit the contact link. Or if you want a phone and leave me a message, 323-739-4330, 323-739-4330. Don't forget to get our app for your phone, the Harland Highway app. It's awesome. It's free. Just go to your app store, type in the Harlan Highway, and boom, download it for free, and you can listen to the podcast wherever you may be on your cell phone. It is awesome. Become a premium member for $20 a year. Get all kinds of great special content, and and that's it, man. I'm going to wrap it up right here, right now. Hope you had a good time. Until next time, chicken. Show me, baby. Oh, Christ.
1: You know, I don't got time for this. Hello?